Thank you all for sharing that with us this morning. What a powerful, powerful number. If you would, take your Bible, please, and turn with me to uh, John's Gospel, chapter number 14. And I've got a couple of verses of Scripture that I want to use as we get started in John chapter number 14. But good to see you this morning. Boy, didn't those graduates look good? My, I tell you what, I enjoyed that. And that was tremendous to, uh, to see them this morning just coming right through that, uh, that video presentation. Why, that's a great group. And I noticed something about that as I watched that earlier. All of them are still going to be able to come to church every Sunday because they're close by except one who's up in Knoxville. But she can still come back about every other weekend now, can't she? I always love it when our seniors go off to college and still come back to church. It's a blessing. You're, you're such a vital part of our church and a vital part of everything that goes on here. And it's just our joy. So you keep coming back and being a part of what God is, is doing right here at our church. And I know when you get to visit around a few places and you see what some other churches are like, you'll want to come back home and be here. I can promise you, you'll never find another place like Elizabeth Chapel. And God, God bless you. Well, John chapter 14, we're looking at a series entitled The Church at Risk. Last, year we, last week we talked about that we are a touch ministry and we are touching the world in which we live. Today we're looking at the empowerment the Holy Spirit of God gives us as we serve the Lord that enables us to be the church in our culture and in our world that God wants us to be. And so we're going to see this about the Holy Spirit. We're actually going to answer three questions that we may have about the Holy Spirit in this sermon this morning. Those questions are this. Who is the Holy Spirit? When did the Holy Spirit come? And what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Now when you and I begin to think about the person of the Holy Spirit, and then I've just given away one of my points right there, the person of the Holy Spirit, we remember and we want to be sure that we always understand that the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a force in the world like a wind that is blowing you see the wind and it blows the treetops and those treetops sway back and forth. It's very easy for us to begin to think that the Holy Spirit is, is like that. That the Holy Spirit is a force that takes place in the world. No, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We go back to the book of Genesis and God said in chapter 1 of Genesis, there in one of the verses, uh, chapter 26 by the way of chapter number 1, God said, let us make man in our image. 
Well, who was God talking to? Who is he referring uh, to in that conversation? He certainly was not talking to the angels. But he was talking to the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So if you can imagine the scene in heaven, here is the triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And in this triune conversation, he is saying, let us make man in our image. We have formed all of the animals, we created all of the animals, but they are nothing like us. But let's make man in our image. Now you say, Pastor, explain that to me more. This trinity you're talking about. I understand God the Father and I can't see Him. He's off in heaven. I understand God the Son. Jesus came into this world and lived among us. Jesus actually said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard me speak, you've heard the Father. If you reject me... You cannot have the Father and reject me. I and the Father are one. You say, now preacher, explain that more to me. I can't. I can't explain that to you. The Trinity, the triune Godhead is, is a mystery. But yet we know the truthfulness of what the Scripture says. Well, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who lives within us as a people. Now, years ago, I was talking to a young man who was, had been raised in the Baptist faith, in a Baptist church. He grew up hearing about the Holy Spirit, just like we're talking about the Holy Spirit today. But this young man, God called him to preach, and he was going into another denomination, and he was going to become a part of another denomination that had a different kind of understanding about the Holy Spirit. And the group that he was joining with looked at the Holy Spirit like I'm saying to you this morning, don't look at the Holy Spirit like this. They viewed the Holy Spirit as a force, a force that was going to move across the world and in your life. Now, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit does not and cannot move like a force, but what I am saying is this. If that's your understanding of the Holy Spirit, you're going to miss the beauty of what God has designed for you. And that is that the Holy Spirit is a person who desires to reside and live within your life and within your heart. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 14, down here in... Uh, Verse 17 for a moment. Well, verse 16 for a moment. I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. Now, He's speaking of the Holy Spirit here. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Now notice that last statement Jesus made. He said the Holy Spirit 
has been with you and will dwell in you. What Jesus is saying to them is simply this. I, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, have been with you all through your time here these past three years. And I'm going to the cross, and when I go to the cross, I'm praying that God will send the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to indwell every single one of you. In other words, I have physically been with you, but when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to dwell in you. Now isn't that amazing? God the Father sent Jesus into the world. Jesus says, I am God the Son. I am fully God, fully deity, man at the same time, but fully divine. I've been with you. And when I go back to heaven, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And the Holy Spirit is going to come and live within you. Now listen to me. You don't need to raise your hand on this question. Please don't. It's a rhetorical question. I'm going to ask it and I'm going to answer it, okay? Would you say that Jesus Christ is an it? No, you wouldn't. You would never refer to Jesus as it. You would refer to Jesus as he, him, Christ, Jesus. He is a person. So why would we ever refer to the Holy Spirit as an it? I know the old Bible uses that term. It's just simply a mistranslation, friend. It's just the simplest way to put it. When you read in the old Bible and it talks about the Holy Spirit and uses the word it in reference to the Holy Spirit, it's just simply wrong because the Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not simply a force in the world. The Holy Spirit is a person whom Jesus prayed and God sent into this world. Now here is the risk for the church in our current culture. And that risk is for us to not understand and realize who the Holy Spirit is and what it is that He wants to do in our life and the purpose by which the Holy Spirit actually has come to indwell us and to be here. So three things I want us to notice about the Holy Spirit just quickly this morning and then we're going to be finished. The first one is this, which I've already stated. The Holy Spirit is a person. The third person of the Trinity. Now back on the words of Jesus again. Notice what he said. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will be with you. And the Holy Spirit will be in you. Now notice how different that is. Than how it was at that moment. When Jesus said that. At the moment that Jesus said that. He was with the disciples. But he was not in the disciples. In other words, when Jesus called his disciples and they began to follow him, 
And they begin to watch his miracles. They begin to be a part of all the ministry that Jesus was on earth. What do we find? We find that the disciples were always with Jesus and Jesus with his disciples. They were in a boat together. He was with them in a boat. They went to the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and he was with his disciples. They were there at the house. But now Jesus is saying to the disciples, now there's something else. I'm going to be the Holy Spirit when he comes. He's not only going to be with you as I was with you, but the Holy Spirit is going to be in you. He's going to come and indwell with you. When did the Holy Spirit come? He came on the day of Pentecost, didn't he? And he came to indwell all of these believers. In the Old Testament, David in Psalm 51, when he prayed, he was confessing his sin before the Lord. And he said something very interesting. He says, God, I pray that you will not take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, why would David say something like that? Well, David had witnessed Saul being anointed as king and the Holy Spirit of God coming and residing upon Saul and giving Saul power to be king. But then Saul reached a point that he sinned. Saul turned against God, would not obey the commands of God, And was puffed up with pride. And Saul just decided, I'm going to rule Jerusalem as king my own way, the way that I want to rule. And David witnessed something. He saw God remove the Holy Spirit from Saul. And when the Holy Spirit was removed from Saul, an evil spirit was allowed by God to come and trouble Saul. Well, David witnessed all that. And so now David realizes he has sinned. And David is saying, oh God, I repent of my sin. Will you forgive me of my sin? Will you cleanse me of my sin? And in essence, David is saying, oh God, do not remove your Holy Spirit from me as you did Saul. I want you to restore to me my joy of my salvation. And please do not remove your Holy Spirit from me. And God did not. David wrote the Psalms. David continued to minister and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now here's the key. Here we're going to link the Old Testament and New Testament together. Ready? Now I want you to watch this. Because the Holy Spirit is different in how He operates in the lives of people in the Old and in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not indwell every person. Like Saul, like David. The Holy Spirit would come upon selective people. And God would take the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would come on selective people that God chose for a purpose and that Holy Spirit would empower them for service. But now listen to me, friend. All of that Old Testament way of the Holy Spirit coming ended On the day of Pentecost, when Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to pray and the Father will send the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, not only will he be with you, he will be 
in you, and that means He will be in every single believer. Every person that places their faith in me, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will indwell you. In Acts 2, historically that happened. Next Sunday is Pentecostal Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. Many churches have chosen that day to regather and start their church going again. Just because of the symbolism, the day the Holy Spirit came to indwell the church on the day of Pentecost. Now listen, friend, the moment you got saved, the moment you trusted Jesus, the moment Christ forgave you of your sin, He indwelt you by the person and the power of His Holy Spirit. That's the way it is in the New Testament. So here's the key. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not like a wind blowing, a power out there. He can do that. But the Holy Spirit to the New Testament believer, we understand to be a person. The third person of the Trinity. God said in heaven, let us make man in our image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He was talking the triune Godhead, not the angels. Angels have nothing to do with it. But God and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, are the creator. Now notice something about this person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Have you ever had grief, suffered grief in your own life? You've lost a loved one, a mom or a dad or a close friend, a child maybe, and you went through a time of grieving. Why, why is that? I'll tell you why that is. Because you're created in the image of God, aren't you? And you have feelings. You have a sense of loss. There is that spirit. There is that soul within you that goes through that time of grieving My friend, the Bible says the Holy Spirit grieves and can be grieved. If you and I don't live our life the way that we're supposed to live it to honor and please God, we're grieving the Holy Spirit who lives within us. He grieves over our life. When He sees us committing sin and not repenting of it, He's grieved over that. When He sees us going our own way, doing anything we want to do, being very flippant in our Christian life and walk, we're not considerate of God and the things of God. The Holy Spirit within us is grieved. He is a person. He can be quenched. He can be resisted. He can be hindered. All of these emotions and all of these things. The Holy Spirit fills all of these things. So what I want to happen in my life, what you want to happen in your life, is the Holy Spirit be pleased, living within us. The Holy Spirit feel at home in our life. Him to feel comfortable in us because He is a person who's come to live in our life to give us strength and to give us guidance and direction. There's another thing about the Holy Spirit that I want to mention. The Holy Spirit must have, the Holy Spirit desires to have position of priority and authority in our life. The Holy Spirit of God, He wants the preeminence in our life. 
There's a verse of scripture in Colossians chapter 1, and it's in verse number 8. And the Holy Spirit in that, or, or the Word of God, in that verse of scripture talks about how that, that Jesus, who is creator over everything, that Jesus has preeminence among everyone and all things. Do you know that in your heart and in your life, the Holy Spirit's desire is to have priority in your life? He wants your life to be pleasing to Him. He wants to have that position in your life where the Holy Spirit, where He has control and He works in your life in powerful and mighty ways. That's His desire. There's one other thing about the Holy Spirit that I will share with you before we close. And that is that the Holy Spirit gives power. You see, we understand that the person of the Holy Spirit living within us is the person living there that gives us power. Where does the Christian get the power to live the Christian life? Where does the Christian get the authority to rebuke the devil and tell him to get away and leave us alone? Where does a Christian get the power, the authority, the ability to say no to temptation, no to sin, and yes to Jesus? Well, I'll tell you where we don't get the power. We don't get the power in ourselves. We do not get the power in our own flesh. We do not get the power in our own wisdom and our own understanding. But rather, we get this power through the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. You see the, the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is the verse where Jesus gives the insight to his disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says to the disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes. Now that's chapter 1 verse 8. Chapter 2, here comes the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was saying, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will give you power. When He comes upon you, when you're indwelt with Him, He will give you power to be my witnesses. And all, all across the world, everywhere you go, everyone you come in contact with. So you see, the Holy Spirit is the third person, the Trinity. When did He come? On the day of Pentecost. What is his purpose? His purpose is to come to empower the Christian, to empower the believer, to empower the child of God, to empower us to live the Christian life. Not one single of us persons in this room are expected by God to live the Christian life on your own, in your own strength, in your own ability. No, He's given us the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit the power to live the Christian life. The power to resist the devil. Resist his temptation. Power to overcome when we're caught in life situations. When we're in bondage to things we've allowed ourselves to get in bondage in. When we have become controlled by a habit or an addiction or a sin. 
He gives us the power to overcome. You do not have the power within yourself to kick a bad habit. You do not have the power within yourself to change your life. You do not have the power within yourselves to turn things around and for it to work for the good. It takes the power of God and that power of God is through the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. He is with you. He is in you. And He gives you this power to overcome. Power for boldness. Power to have compassion on other people. Is Jesus the most compassionate person you've ever read about in in history? The compassion that He had for people, the compassion He had for lost, the compassion He had for sick, the compassion He had for the hungry. Where do you and I get compassion? Born to Polly and Ted Wood? No. Born to whoever your parents were? No. We don't come innately born into this world with compassion like that. It comes by the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is with us and the Holy Spirit who is in us. Power to forgive others. How can we forgive somebody who's done such wrong to us in many cases? The power of the Holy Spirit. He empowers us to forgive others. He empowers us to understand the Word of God. You know, as our seniors came across this stage this morning by way of video, and that was good, wasn't it? I like that. I tell you what, they weren't as nervous as when they're up here on these Sunday mornings looking at all those eyeballs staring back at them. They come up, that was powerful. But several of them used various verses of Scripture. You know what I was thinking about when some of them talked about a verse of Scripture, or even all of them as they talked about what their life is going to be like and where they're going to go to school and what they're going to go do and, and what they're going to study and what, what their plans are for the future. Here's the thing that I thought about in, in all of those situations is this. How that the Spirit of God takes the Word of God that He wrote And the Spirit of God, whom He is. And how the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and applies it in the life of every single one of us as a Christian. You see, you can't even understand the Bible apart from the Holy Spirit. The Bible doesn't even make sense if the Holy Spirit's not telling you, here's what the Scripture means. Here's what the Scripture says. We understand the Word of God. And then last of all, the Holy Spirit gives us power to love other people. We love others because of what the Holy Spirit of God has done and is doing in our life. Well, as we conclude this morning, just sort of wrapping this up, here's where we started. We started thinking about, oh, David, Psalm 51, saying, oh, God, I'm repenting of my sin. Do not remove the Holy Spirit from me. That was the Old Testament way, wasn't it? In the New Testament day, you don't have to ever worry about that. You don't ever have to think and pray, oh, God, don't take your Holy Spirit away from me because he's never going to take him away. What you you and I need to pray is, oh, God, Help me. I realized I've grieved the Holy Spirit who lives within me. 
I realize I haven't been sensitive to the Holy Spirit who lives within me. I realize I've resisted the voice of the Holy Spirit when He spoke into my heart and tried to give me direction and I would resist Him and I would fight against Him. God, I ask You to forgive me. I realize, Father, there have been times in my life that I have hindered the work of the Holy Spirit in my life because I wanted to do my own thing, make my own decisions, and go my own way and decide my own life. And God, I realized that was wrong. That I know the Holy Spirit lives within me. He's never going to leave. You're never going to take Him away. But oh God, forgive me for not listening to His voice. Not being sensitive to His nudges on my heart. Not being yielded to his desire and his leadership in my life. And you know, when you and I think like that and we pray like that and we honor the person of the Holy Spirit, God will powerfully, powerfully work and move in our lives. Powerfully work when we pray and when we honor him. Now listen, as we close this morning, I believe that there are people in this room today that... The Holy Spirit of God's been speaking to. I believe there are people in this room today that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. You've given your heart to Christ. And the Holy Spirit's tried to talk to you about being baptized to sort of give affirmation to the fact that you're a Christian. Being buried with Christ and raised to walk in the newness of life. But you've never followed Him. You've never listened to Him. You've never yielded yourself to that wooing of the Holy Spirit in you that wants you to follow Jesus in believer's baptism. Well, you ought to follow Him. You ought to listen to the Holy Spirit. I believe there may be somebody in this service today that the Holy Spirit's come to you and He's spoken to you and you're lost. Your husband or your wife or your children, somebody's been praying for you. They've been praying that you would get saved and give your heart and life to Jesus, but you never have. You've been resisting. You've been hanging on to that seat when the invitation was given. You've been getting your attention off on other things, sort of trying to divert so you wouldn't have to think about this decision of being saved and serving Jesus with your life. How long are you going to do that, friend? How long are you going to fight the Holy Spirit? How long are you going to resist Him? How long are you going to try to hold Him off? He's being grieved in your life. And the power that He wants to give you, the strength, the victory over sin that He wants to give you, the powerful spiritual work He wants to do in your life, He is hindered from doing that because you're not responding to Him, to His voice when He speaks. Why don't you change that? Why don't you say today, right now, Holy Spirit, I love Jesus And I want Jesus to be the superior person and priority in my life. And Father, I know Jesus, the Holy Spirit came in answer to your prayer. And the Holy Spirit lives within me because now I'm a Christian. And I'm going to follow you. I'm going to yield to you. I'm going to submit to you. And my friend, if you'll do that, you'll have great victory in your life. You see, just like these videos of the graduates, now we can do baptisms by video and show it in both services. I can meet you up here during the week. We can baptize you, do the video, show it to two services on a Sunday. 
And man, that goes out to the whole church, sees it, your friends see it. What a testimony you could have about the work God's doing in your heart and in your life if we surrender to the Lord Jesus and let Him do His work in us and through us. My friend, if you've never trusted Christ, today's a great day to do that. If you've never come to join the church and be a part and be a part of this church body, a part of this family, if you've never come for baptism, today would be a good day to do that. If you don't want to walk down the aisle because of social distancing, and just call me at home. I'll meet with you anytime, talk with you. We can work these things out. My friend, here's what I want for you. I want what is absolutely best in your life. And I am convinced with every bone in my body that what I preach and what I teach is the absolute best for your life if you'll surrender it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's how He works. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the pastor that leads the people. This altar's open. If you want to come and find a place to pray, nobody's going to crowd in on you. You'll have uh, your social distancing. Some came in the earlier service and prayed. Would you just let God have His way? Would you bow with me as we pray? Friend, I can't change your mind. I can't change your heart. I can't decide for you. Only you can do that. But my friend, listen. The Holy Spirit wants to help you. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you into the truth and into a way of victory. Would you let God have His way in your heart and life? All I'm asking you to do is one thing. Just listen to His voice and what He says to you. Then do it. That's all I ask you to do. Father, thank you for your goodness to us, your blessings. We ask that you